Welcome to the Debbie Debate. All right, boys, are we ready to debate? Bruni, are you ready to go head to head with me? I am. Gotta get my popcorn out here. Hold on, Alex. The bold strategy, Cotton. Let's see if it pays off for him. I'm Felix Sharp. I know you didn't think that we would get through this episode without mentioning the name one Zach F. Wilson. It is first to goal. Ball spotted just inside the 10. Algier in. Wilson faked it to him and keeps it. Zach Wilson, the speed, and he dives for the end zone. Touchdown. That's Austin Nate. Gibbs, who is probably going to be the best pass catcher out of the three. Now. First down, he's going to get after it again. And look at the speed and the spark and the score from Gibbs. Just what Georgia Tech needed. That's Matt Bruning. G. Scott Jr. Obviously, I waxed poetic about him on the last episode, so I won't do that again here. And this time it's Fields on the carry. Watch out. Justin Fields. Hello, Columbus. 51 yards. Austin, you tweeted something, bro. You tweeted your running back ranking. Explain yourself. Boy, that escalated quickly. I mean, that really got out of hand fast. Ohio State fan talking there. Oh, shit. That is why you come to the Debbie debate. Apologies to Kirk Curbstreet. We ran out of time. We'll get him rescheduled soon. And for Matt Bruning and Austin Nace, I'm Felix Sharp. Good night and good luck. It's 9.30 on the East Coast, 6.30 Pacific. No one cares about Central Time, so we're ready for the Debbie debate. That's Matt Bruning. That's Austin Nace, and I'm Felix Sharp. On today's show is Elijah Moore, the best wide receiver in a historic class, Matt Jones or Trey Lance, and is Javante Williams the true RB3 in the 2021 class? But we start with Week 11 in college football. And, Matt, talk to me a little bit more about this 2021 RB class. Well, for the past couple episodes, I feel like we've been saying this class is not very strong outside of Najee Harris and Travis Etienne, and I feel like we are going to be wrong about that. There's quite a lot of guys, I think, that are playing very well. Uh, one that you just mentioned in Javante Williams, uh, Khalil Herbert, a player that I've talked about for the past couple weeks as well. You got Javian Hawkins. Uh, there's a lot of guys who just opted out. There's a lot of players that are really playing well at the running back position now. Will they all be absolute studs? I don't know. But I think that this class, we're not giving it the credit that it deserves. More looking at my ranks, I think there's easily eight guys that I would be comfortable drafting, I think have some serious NFL upside. So I think we need to start looking at this class, this class more as an actual decent running back class than just the top two guys and everybody else is a question mark. Mel Kuyper has them ranked Najee Harris, Travis Etienne, Javante Williams, Ch- uh, Chuba Smart Hubbard, man. Kenneth Gainwell. Are you okay with that ranking? Those no, five? No, 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 not at all. Not at all. Not at all. But I'll save my because I, I can't give away my thoughts okay. on this because it's gonna okay. it's gonna lead to some some early fireworks that I know we're trying to save between me and Austin for later. So a little teaser all right. for later in the show. All right. Um uh, just to add there, I think I would I'm trying I was trying to think who I would put sixth, seventh, and eighth, and I've I'm kind of throwing around Jared Patterson actually, CJ Verdell and Zamira White, but we can talk a little bit Verdell more. Verdell is not getting enough love, man. He's uh, really wow. not getting enough love. We'll talk a little bit more about that later. Austin, the 2022 class has piqued your interest this weekend. Uh, talk to me about that. Yeah, so I think uh, coming into this season, we had a bunch of different quarterbacks. That I mean, we had Howell last year who put up a pretty good year. Jaden Daniels flashed a little bit, and then Slovis came on kind of out of nowhere. And we were all really excited about Rattler. 
Um, but there were still a lot of questions about those guys for one reason or the other. And I think uh, the past couple of weeks really have sh- have started to answer some of those questions for us. I mean, we've only seen uh, one game out of Jaden Daniels, kind of hard to pass judgment, but he looked really good the first week um, with a pretty limited uh, receiving core, a bunch of freshmen basically out there, almost pulled off the upset over USC. Uh, but the two big guys that I think the past couple of weeks have really been kind of solidifying their case as like an early round dynasty Debbie guy are Sam Howell and Slovis. Um, Howell coming into the season for me was like a 1A, 1B scenario with Daniels. Um, and mostly because he was really inconsistent last year, um, both just like on a throw to throw basis and just from game to game. He'd have, you know, a throw where he'd throw a dime. 45 yards downfield, and then he'd throw in a triple coverage the next time and get picked off. The past couple weeks, uh, well, this weekend he went 32 for 45 against Wake. He had 550 yards, six touchdowns, and looked really, really good. Um, over the past five games, he has a 17 to 3 touchdown to interception ratio. He's completing about 68% of his passes. He's even looked better running um, the past couple weeks. He seems like a lot more comfortable about when deciding when to go, when to stay, um, things like that. So he's been showing really well. And then Slovis, um, statistically an eye test hasn't looked as good as he did last year, but I think one of the big question marks I had for him was just his kind of passiveness. He never really took over games last year. He kind of let things come to him. And if things were going well, things were going well. If not, the ship may not get righted the past couple of weeks in the face of adversity down, um, in the late in the fourth quarter, he's led his team to comebacks and looked sharp doing it. So I think we're, we're looking at, you know, another nice quarterback class next year. I, I like the quarterback class next year. I've got uh how one Slovis two, and I've actually got Graham Mertz uh, number three. Now he might not come out uh, next year because he will only have two years under his belt. And I don't, this year doesn't even count, but I've got Spencer Rattler after that, but you know, with, we've got a deep um, quarterback class. Uh, quarterbacks that pipeline is really deep um, uh, uh, coming in, and that 2022 class, those guys have some arms between Hal, Mertz, and Rattler. There are some really good, uh, diverse skill sets between those four. Are you okay with that ranking that I have? Uh, Hal, Slovis, Mertz, Rattler. It's not what I have, but I think any of those first four or five guys, like I can see them in any order and I don't really have a lot of issue with it. It's kind of like the top receivers in the 21 class. I wouldn't really argue about any order. So there's no Lawrence or Fields in the class, in my opinion. So I think people are going to be down on them, but I'd be happy to have pretty much any of those guys. So. Well, gentlemen, um, what I learned this past weekend is that Michigan, the football team, has quit on Jim Harbaugh. And it's really sad to say that, considering that this is the house that that Bill Sh- Bo Schimbeckler built and that um, that Lloyd Carr continued to build on. 49-11 to 11 loss to Wisconsin at home in the big house. Wisconsin ran for 341 yards and averaged 6.7 yards a carry. Okay, that's terrible, especially when Jim Harbaugh is supposed to be this defense and run the ball head coach. Michigan was was so terrible that Paul Chris put let Jalen Berger play, let Jalen Berger play in the game. And you you know how Wisconsin does with freshmen. Um, So Michigan is absolutely atrocious. They don't have talent on either side of the ball. And um, uh, uh, it's not looking good for Michigan. What what is looking good is that. It looks like this is going to be the end of the Harbaugh era 
I thought it was going to work out for them. It's obviously not, but they're going to get, I mean, I just have to believe that they're going to get a big name in here. Um, Harbaugh, the Harbaugh brothers, they have this saying, you guys may have heard it. Who's got it better than us? Well, right now it's everybody. Okay. So it's everybody. Michigan takes on Rutgers this weekend and we'll see if Rutgers um, has, has, uh, 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 has it better than Michigan. Um, Michigan terrible on the offensive side of the ball. And they have been, they haven't been great for a long time. I want to do something. I'm going to surprise you boys. Okay. Oh, okay. I want to do a mock draft. All right. You two get the university of Michigan, whoever you want in the, in the last 10 years, I'll take two schools, Stetson and Fordham. All right. I'll go first with the first pick. I'll take Chase Edmonds. Out of Fordham. Austin, who you got? Michigan. Fantasy relevant in the last 10 years. Oh, man. Do they have to be in the NFL already? <laughs> they got to be someone who you would draft. Because, I mean, like, I, I kind of like Jack Charbonnet <laughs> and Blake Corum right now. I mean, I think both of those guys. And I no, would no, no, them, no, no. I would no. take them over most of the guys that have come out of there in the past. It's got to be somebody in the NFL years. right now. Holy crap, then. I don't know, man. Like, maybe Donovan Peoples-Jones or something. Like, honestly, there's really, yeah, I Damn mean, you're it, right. There, there's really not a lot of, of guys out there. I and mean, Shea Patterson's on a practice squad somewhere, I think. And Okay, I'll give you Donovan Peoples-Jones. Yeah, yeah. Um, I'll go number, th- number three. I'll go Donald Parham, all right, from Stetson. Matt, who are you taking at number four? I mean... Do we, we, we Tom Brady? Look at all this I mean, stuff. I, Tom Brady? Years, I gave you the universe in the last 10 years. In the last 10 years, no. Brady is way, is way before I know that. that. Well, I mean, I'm talking last 10 years in the NFL. He's still been good. Gonna, I mean, is I there anybody my point, else? My point is, is that they I'll have take not the, developed. They Jabril have not Peppers? developed the offense. Can I take Jabril side. Peppers? I mean, he's been somewhat Jabril. decent for the Browns in the Giants. Number four overall, because Michigan has not developed the talent on that side of the ball, and that's how you win games. They have to bring in a name. I've heard Luke Fickle. I want it to be uh, uh, Joe Brady. It has to be somebody that can bring in the elite offensive talent to compete with Ohio State. I, I hate to say it, but – it's not a rivalry anymore. It's not a rivalry anymore. Michigan's rival might be Rutgers. That's who it might be this year. All right, gentlemen. Are we ready for the Debbie debates? Let's do it. Let's do it. I'm Matt. Excited. Yes. Matt, let's start with you. You have Mac Jones ranked over Trey Lance. What's I up do. with that? I do. All right. So We've been talking about this for the past couple of weeks. I feel like we keep talking about how Trey Lance deserves to be up in this discussions. And I keep bringing up the fact that he's not playing this year. And he did, whether you like Trey Lance or not, we all have to admit that there were still questions about his game coming into this year. It was why we wanted to see him play out this year. It sucked to only see him get to play the one game. Uh, there was a lot of people who were saying he should have gone back to school. I understand him not going back to school. He's still going to have plenty of hype. He's going to be a first-round draft pick, as as Felix loves to say. Get the bag. Just go ahead. Go to the draft. Get the bag. I- I'm all for it. My thing with Mac Jones is right now, I mean, I know people are saying that he's not playing very good defenses. George is still rated as a top 12 defense right now in, in the NCAA, and-, and Mac Jones shredded them. 417 yards, four touchdowns, one interception. He's sitting with just over two, almost 2,200 yards, 16 touchdowns, two interceptions, sitting with a pass grade of 92.8, which is top 10 right now in college football, and an NFL rating, an adjusted NFL rating of 142.3. 
Just this past weekend, Kyle Trash jumped him in deep ball percentage, jumping to 71, where did I put it? 71.8. Obviously, the god, the king, the Mormon monster himself, Zach Wilson, is sitting at 78.4, which is just ridiculous. And then it's Mac Jones, yes. And then it's Mac Jones at three. Uh, with a 68.5. So, I mean, he and, and those three are the, the clear separators themselves in deep ball passing percentage. So, my biggest thing with Trey Lance and why I've moved Mac Jones over him, and I know you are not a big fan of Mac Jones, but I think while his ceiling may not be as high as Trey Lance's, to me, out of all the quarterbacks that we've been talking about, whether it's Justin Fields, Trevor Lawrence, Mac Jones, Kyle Trask, Zach Wilson, or Trey Lance, Trey Lance has the lowest floor. And for me, he scares me the most out of all those guys because I've seen enough out of all the other four that we just mentioned that I'm safe saying that I think they could pan out in the NFL where Trey Lance, from what I saw last year, you know, we you brought up with the Zach Wilson argument, right? Trey Lance hasn't really played anybody at North Dakota State. At least Zach Wilson is getting some kind of competition there at BYU. Mac Jones last year played good competition when he had to step in for Tua when he got hurt, and he's doing it again this year. He's doing it against what's widely considered the best defensive conference in in college football. That means something to me. He's out there. He's putting it on tape. I've said it before. He's making NFL throws. Does he have Lance's arm? No, he doesn't. But I think overall he's more well-suited for the NFL and has a safer floor and ceiling, in my opinion, than Trey Lance. Mac Jones is a six foot two, 215 pound pocket passer only. Show me his difficult throws. Show me his NFL throws. Show me his wild plays. Show me where you see him. Georgia to Devonta against uh, Georgia, Devonta Smith back of the end zone. Perfectly placed. Back shoulder <laughs> pass, Devonta Smith. And there's more. That's just the one that comes off to the top of my head. That's the one that comes to the top of my head when people ask. Show, show me where you see him avoid pressure in the pocket and make you know some sort of amazing play. I think Mac Jones is what the NFL is moving away from, and Trey Lance is what the NFL is moving toward. Okay, so Trey Lance has the cannon for an arm. He, we know he can make NFL throws. He's not getting the reps right now, but we know that he can run the ball and he has the he has the frame. He's two hundred and twenty five plus pounds, six what six two six three. I, I just listen. It's a lot of you out there that like Mac Jones, and I just don't like the player who hasn't who who we don't see them avoid pressure in the pocket. That's a player that we're going to have to protect perfectly. He doesn't offer anything as far as um uh, as far as running the football. And this, I mean, this is a fantasy show. So how I don't understand how you could have Mac Jones ahead of of Trey Lance when when Trey Lance's ceiling is as high as is as high as it is, and I just don't see NFL throws from Mac Jones on a consistent basis. Yet, when I watch Mac Jones, it reminds me of oftentimes when I scout high school quarterbacks and they're making these vertical throws. And, and vertical throws just aren't that difficult. Like you drop back and throw it to your receiver who can make a play. What I want to see is the opposite hash outs, digs, that sort of thing. And I just don't see that when I watch Mac Jones play. Doesn't mean that he can't do it. It just means that I don't see it when I'm watching him, and and I know that he can't run the ball. So until until I do see some of that development in making some NFL plays, there's no chance that I'm going to have him ranked ahead of Trey Lance, who I know has an NFL skill set. I agree with you that his his floor is very low because he hasn't had the reps. But if we're talking about the skill set and if we're talking about fantasy upside, there's just no, like there's no chance that I'm ranking Mac Jones ahead of Trey Lance. The fantasy upside is 
the big point for me. And I think I've been trying to learn this lesson the past couple of years where you don't necessarily look at what the guy can't do. You look at what they can do and then hope that they go to an NFL offense that will let them do the things they can do and minimize the things they can't. Um, Justin Herbert's a great example was a guy last year that I was like, yeah, you no, know, he can hit all that stuff downfield short stuff like vertically or horizontally, like he's kind of sucks. And I bumped him for it. And it looks like this year it doesn't really matter. I think we have to be really careful because Trey Lance could very well be that kind of guy where a couple years down the line, we're like, well, you had, we, people had Mac Jones over him and this dude's like the most like milk toast, like NFL quarterback ever. Um, and he's doing, you know, this crazy stuff. So I th- that, that's a big point for me that I think, um, I, I try to keep in mind when I'm watching these guys, and that's why I have Lance in front of Jones. Milk, I think milk toast is a good word to describe Mac Jones. And we have to remember that the the environment, everything is 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 perfect for Mac Jones in Alabama. He's got the the best offensive line. He's got the best. I mean, he's got two receivers that are rated in the top five, and Devonta Smith and and, and Jalen Waddle. At least he had. Um, so I listen. When it comes, when it when it when the off season comes, we're really going to be able to scout and nitpick these players um, more than more so than we can right now because right now we're watching every single game and we're getting new information. I can't wait until we get to the off season and we'll be able to digest the information that we have. Um, I just don't, but I am not a Mac Jones guy. My friend Brandon Lejeune, he is. Bruning, I know that you are. I'm not. There's just no chance that I'm taking um, uh, a, Mac, a chance on Mac Jones on any of my dynasty teams or C2Cs or what have you, all right? But there is a quarterback that we could be taking a chance on, Bruning, and that's Desmond Ritter. Uh, is he a starting caliber quarterback at the next level? I think he has a chance to be. I don't know for sure if he's going to be. He's got all the talent, in my opinion. So I was trying to pull up his uh, size here really quick because I messed that up. He's 6'4". So 6'4", 215. Obviously, if you've watched any Cincinnati's game, he he looks a little slight of frame. He's not not a very thick guy. But regardless, right now, for uh, 183 attempts, he's completed 122 of them for 66.7 percentage completion, 14 touchdowns, six interceptions, uh, 505 yards on the ground, nine touchdowns, 17 explosive plays, which is anything over 12-yard runs. That That's where he makes a difference. And he has some issues throwing the ball down the field. His touch is not there sometimes, and, and I think that's going to be his biggest issue coming into the NFL but something we've seen here of late, and maybe it's just the weird year in 2020, but you go back the past couple of years, we've seen a lot of quarterbacks getting hurt. And these other guys who people, these teams draft, and they need backup quarterbacks come in, all of a sudden start making a name for themselves. I do think Ritter is a guy who could be a fourth, maybe even fifth round draft pick, possibly even higher, but I would guess probably fourth or fifth round in the NFL draft who could end up on a team. And if he gets a shot, really impress people, especially if he goes to a team that allows him to maybe not have to throw the ball down the field all that time and allow him to use his legs a little bit, kind of like Austin said, getting in that NFL offense that kind of tailors toward your skill level. Do I think he's going to be drafted to be a starter? No. Uh, But I do think he has some NFL upside. He's a guy that I've been talking about all year, obviously with the year that Cincinnati's been having. He's a guy that I am really impressed with with his dual threat ability and and think he can be a, a, a legitimate quarterback at the next level. 
He's got Cincinnati on the verge of the playoffs. I'm, I mostly agree with you on this take on Ritter. I'm glad that you said you think he's a fourth-round draft pick around there because I've heard Colin Kaepernick uh, comparisons for Ritter, and that's what really b- bothers me because we forget that Colin Kaepernick had a – he was inaccurate, but he had a cannon for an arm. He had elite speed, and I don't see Ritter having elite speed. I think he's a better passer than Kaepernick mm-hmm. was coming out of Nev- – Nev- was it uh, Nevada, Nevada, right? Yeah, Nevada. Yeah, yeah. Nevada. Um, um, but I don't see the elite speed. And so without that elite trait, and that's what Kaepernick had coming out of a G5 school, he had that elite speed. He had that elite but inaccurate arm. I don't see um, Ritter moving to the second round and being, you know, really the comparison for, for Kaepernick. Yeah. I don't think that he has elite speed. I think that he's a more accurate passer than Kaepernick was, but I don't see him having, you know, that cannon. I love his frame. I love his frame. I love the way that he plays the game, but I think that he is a developmental quarterback, fourth, fifth round draft pick that I would be happy to take in that area. But no, I don't see him sneaking into to, into day two um, because I don't see an elite trait for him. So I, I I think that we're on the same page there with Ritter. All right, this is one I have been looking forward to um, all week since we started planning for the show, Austin. Javante Williams is having a breakout season. He is the all the rage right now. Mel Kuyper is talking about him. He's got him as the RB3. So he's the consensus. He should be everyone's RB3 uh, after Najee Harris and Travis Etienne. Is that right? I hate having to be like the human brake pedal on this show, especially as it relates to like running backs, because I feel like that's the role that I'm getting shoehorned into over here. But – I, I do feel like we have to pump the brakes a little bit on Javante Williams, and I do like him. So I think this is going to be another one of those, like, I like Brees Hall, but not as much as everybody else type arguments that we had a couple weeks ago. So I, I sat down uh, Sunday, Monday, and I finally got to watch Javante Williams. I watched four games. I watched two from last year, Clemson and Duke. They were both all 22. And then I watched Virginia Tech, Florida State this year. He does look better this year. Um, I'll say that right off the bat. But just a couple of notes that I wrote down about him. I said he's comfortable running out of the shotgun. Not a ton of experience running with a QB under center, but the NFL doesn't seem to necessarily care about that. He has quick feet, which help him make adjustments when approaching the line. He's one of those guys that falls forward on pretty much every play, which I really like. He has good vision at the first level. He trusts his eyes and is able to make sudden and effective cuts. He isn't extremely elusive in the open field, but he has what I call effective elusiveness, which means he's able to break tackles and kind of get away from guys without having the shake and bake that some other guys have. As a receiver, he's a very good receiver, probably better than his size and athletic profile would suggest. He probably would receive more targets if not for Michael Carter, who might be the best receiving back in the nation. Natural hands can tell he trusts them by how quickly he's able to transition from receiver to ball carrier averaging 15.5 yards per reception this year, which is pretty absurd for a running back. Um, So those were kind of the pros that I had when watching him. Cons, like I said, not – I was going to say, I'm like, yeah, so you agree. agree Yeah, so so he's not particularly elusive in the open field, which I I don't care if a guy is, you know, like breaking ankles all over the place, but I at least want to be able to see him make a guy like miss pretty cleanly – and he doesn't do that a lot. He'll he'll get kind of tripped up and, and kind of absorb the contact and keep going. But it does slow him down. 
His long speed isn't great, so I don't think he'll ever be a huge home run guy, which, I mean, Le'Veon Bell is not that guy either, so there there is some precedent there for not having that as a strength. And for me, he hasn't quite showcased the mental processing at like the second and third levels that a guy, um, like I know we're ripping on Jonathan Taylor right now, because, but like it, guys like him in, in college kind of showed where, you know, you get past that first level and you can kind of set up those blocks downfield a little bit. I didn't really see him do any of that on tape either. So those were kind of just what I saw when I was watching. But my biggest problem with him is that he isn't like significantly outperforming Michael Carter in that backfield. So either we're seriously overrating uh, Williams or we're severely underrating Carter. Um, If you go and look at like their PFF and all that kind of stuff going on. um, I mean, I get that there's a size difference. Williams is like 5'10", 220. So he's got that ideal build while Carter is like 5'9", 200. Um, But if you look at like the PFF stuff, elusive rating, Williams is number one in the country. Carter, number seven. Breakaway percentage, Carter number one, Williams number five. Uh, raw stat-wise, Williams and uh, Williams has about 60 more rush yards on the year at about 0.2 more yards per carry. And receiving yards, he has about 20 more at about three yards per catch. Uh, so, so it makes me wonder um, when I watch them, like whether it's the offense, it's the system. So, so for me, like... I have him in that group that's behind the top two. I have Javian Hawkins in there. I have CJ Verdell. I have Williams. And then I have um, uh, Gainwell from Memphis as well. I'm not sure that there's enough separating those guys for me to really say definitively he's the number three. And I don't actually, let me look at touchdowns real quick since that just popped on the screen. So Javante Williams this year has 15 rushing touchdowns and three receiving. Carter has down Carter has four rushing touchdowns and two receiving but they use Williams a lot more in that kind of red zone goal line role so that's why I don't have him as a definitive number three all right so here's why you're wrong uh, I, well, I'll, I'll, I'll start off with the, I agree with Michael Carter. He is not getting enough love. He, I don't think it's a product of the system. I just think both of them are very good running backs. I think the reason everybody is talking about Javante Williams is right now, first in, first in college right now with explosive plays. Again, I mentioned that earlier with Desmond Ritter. Anything over 12 yards, 35. 35 plays over 12. This is just rushing, right? Just rushing. So, What it shows to me is something you mentioned earlier, his feet in the backfield. I think he's got really good vision. I may have even put our favorite word elite in our tweet, uh, in my tweet about him, but he hits the hole when he doesn't see that. He, the one thing I don't like is he bounces it outside a lot, which I don't think he's going to necessarily be able to do at the NFL level, but we'll see if he can learn from that. Uh, He's second right now in yards after contact, which you mentioned. He kind of takes those hits and keeps on moving, though. Still, 584 yards out of his 896 rushing yards are after contact. 4.87 average, which is the best in NCAA right now. He does have smooth hands out of the backfield. What I love is every time they throw him a pass, he, he catches it. All in one motion. He almost looks like a wide receiver playing. It is very soft hands, and he's immediately upfield. It's not something where he dances around. He's immediately upfield, which is great for receiving back out of the backfield. Uh, he's also willing to pass protect. There's a couple times where he's actually saved Hal from getting uh, sacked, which I think is a big thing that's going to keep you on the field at the NFL level. Um, and just a couple other stats that I have on here. So, again, talking about the split between him and Michael Carter. 
He only has 120 carries on the season right now, which is 16th because of how much. And Michael Carter, I think, is right there with him. I think he's one or two less now at this point. Uh, He leads everyone, every single player, running back, wide receiver, tight end, quarterback, in avoided tackles with 62. The next closest player right now in college is Brees Hall with 41, who also has 46 more carries than him right now on the season. He is, I agree with you that he doesn't necessarily have that wiggle of, uh, I'm trying to think of somebody of, I don't want to say Saquon Barkley. Yeah, Hawkins. He's not someone, but he's elusive enough and he will get out of every single arm tackle there is because of that lower body strength. I love how much strength he has on his legs. You watch a lot of the games. I posted one, I think it was against, uh, uh, was it Virginia Tech or Florida State, where number one, he just ran the dude over. I think Garrett retweeted the same the same uh, running play, but he breaks through every single arm tackle. I agree with you. He does. He is not the RB three though on the year. He's RB one for me. Oh my! Oh, I know. I know. I knew it was coming. I'm I'm putting in one. Here's my thing. I don't think Travis Etienne can be a workhorse at the next level. Whoa. I just don't. I don't believe in Travis Etienne being a workhorse. I don't like the fumbling issues. I don't think he's a good a receiver as they make it out to be. A lot of his stuff is quick little hitches off to the outside. He can't run wheel routes. He can't run actual routes. Like you even just mentioned, Austin, and Washington. He is amazing. That's right. He is. That's right. See, I'm not the only one. This is Najee a page shill that Matt put that's, in. That's Tim, by the way. That's my, that's my that's my bot account. Um, Najee Harris is close because as we've seen, I can't remember. It was a couple weeks ago where he made that. Uh, I mean, he high pointed the ball like a wide receiver down by the end zone to make that catch. Najee Harris is a great receiver as well. The difference, I think Javante Williams is a little bit more explosive than, than Najee Harris. If I was sitting at one, one right now in a standard league in Debbie, I'm taking one, one over Najee over oh. ETN. I'm doing it. Austin, uh, <laughs> we have to stay here for a second. Bruning has has got Javante Williams uh, number one. That is a that is the hottest take we've had in five episodes of the Debbie debate. Austin, you don't dislike Javante Williams. You just have some players rated ahead of him. Where would you put? Where would you be comfortable drafting Javante Williams? I am trying to compose myself right now, so I'm (laughs) I'm sorry. Uh, Oh, my gosh. So I I have him – let me look here real quick. So I have him number six. I have – I've given him like an early to mid-second round grade. Um, And like I said, he's in kind of a four-player tier where I have Kenny Gainwell, Javian Hawkins, CJ Verdell, and Williams. And I could see Williams getting up to three or four by the end of the year just because he's got that size on some of those other guys. Like, so at like Verdell is five, five, 10, two, 10. So I'm, I'm pretty happy with his like overall size. I think, I think he can be, you know, an every down guy if he needed to be Hawkins is five, nine, one ninety six, and Gainwell is five eleven one ninety one. So that, that does concern me a little bit and I could see Javante jumping them just for that. Um, but I mean, number one, I can't, I can't get any close to that. So uh, num- number three, get back to me in like six or four to six months and we can discuss, but man. Bruning blessing us with the hot take. I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, no, really quick. Matt, you are right. Kalen Garbage did play good last week. We'll see if he keeps it up. That's all I'll say. I'm not a big fan of Kalen Garbage. Go ahead, Felix. 
Bruning giving us the hot takes here in week 11 of the college football season. Mel Kuyper dropping his top 10 wide receivers, all right, for the uh, 2021 class. And Bruning, if you can bring our guest on, there we go. Um, Mel Kuyper released his top 10 wide receivers, Devonta Smith, Jamar Chase, Jalen Waddell, Terrence Marshall, Rondell Moore, Rashad Bateman, Rashad Bateman, Chris Olave, Kadarius Toney, Tylen Wallace, Nico Collins. And to talk a little bit more about the 2021 receivers, let's welcome our guest. He's the host of Why Wait Till Sunday, a college DFS show on YouTube, a writer for Razzball. It's uh, You can find him on Twitter at AL underscore FF underscore red on Twitter. Alfred Fernandez joins us on the Debbie debate. Alfred. Is there anyone missing from Mel Kuyper's list? Oh, no. We can't hear you. Alfred, you're muted. You're muted. Ugh, sorry. There okay. we go. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. I got about three guys uh, completely missing off that list. And we won't even go to the guys who I don't think should be on the list because that might be a different show. Um <laughs> Anyway, thanks for having me, uh, but uh, we'll, we'll get into it. So two guys we won't talk as much about. Seth Williams, I think, should be on that list. Um, I'm a big fan of Diami Brown. I heard you guys you know, talking about Sam Howell. That's his number one dude in, uh, in uh, Chapel Hill. But the uh, spoiler big name that we'll talk about is I think Elijah Moore needs to be in consideration uh, in the top 10 receivers in this class. Um. So, yeah, I definitely – there's a couple guys I really don't think should be in there. And I'm a Gator fan, and I'm not sure Kadarius Tony needs to be in the top 10. I mean, he's a nice he's a nice player, but that's a little bit weird. Well, why isn't Elijah Moore the number one receiver in this class? We had Jamar Chase, and everybody said, look at the numbers that Jamar Chase is putting up against SEC defenses. Well, let's look at the numbers that Elijah Moore is putting up against SEC defenses. Florida, 10 for 227 yards. Vanderbilt, 14 for 238 yards. South Carolina, 13 for 225. What What are we talking about? These are video game numbers. Why isn't Elijah Moore the number one receiver in this class? Yeah, I mean, that's a great question, you know, and I'd say it's because he he wasn't a huge name coming into the year, but neither was Kadarius Tony, and he's already in Kuiper's top 10. So, and, you know, it's an SEC receiver, so it's not a conference problem. I mean, I don't know. It's a great question. He's, you're right, video game numbers. I mean, you know, I do that DFS show, and the week he went absolutely insane against Vandy, um, I didn't have him at all because I thought they were going to have to um, – run the football but uh yeah he's been insane i don't know why he's not number one i think i think there's some guys that are a little more prototypical that i'd still put ahead of him but i think he's in, in the mix i mean he's like my four uh my five or six in this coming class assuming he you know declares and i think uh he's one of the best you know of the non super elite i think there's three guys four guys you could say are super elite after that he's in play so you were on him kind of coming into the year a little bit, um, and not a lot of people were. Uh, what what did you see or what were you predicting was going to happen this year that that really put him on the radar for you? Yeah, so, um, you know, when I was kind of combing through uh, some of the stats from last year, uh, one thing I like to do is just check out anybody who was a freshman or a true sophomore that kind of commanded 25-plus percent of their team's 
stats uh, from receiving and receptions and yards. And, you know, he really popped. He had 30% of Old Miss's, you know, receiving production last year, and it only came out to about 800 and something yards and six touchdowns. But uh, so on the raw numbers, you know, he's not necessarily near the top of anyone's list. But when you look at it in the context of the offense, he was crushing everything uh, that that they could throw at him. Um, he was a true sophomore, uh, you know, and then I was looking at his, you know, his body composition. He's 5'9", 185. It's not humongous, but it's fine BMI wise. I mean, it's Antonio Brown size. You know, we've definitely seen NFL guys do things at that size. It doesn't scare me away. So then I know the video guys are going to be mad at me, but I went and just looked at some highlights, you know, and I just wanted to see, okay, this guy on paper is like popping out the wazoo. And I turned it on and I mean, immediately was like, oh, oh, this guy is something. I mean, he, he pops from a speed perspective. I mean, after the catch, when he catches the ball, it is, it is instantaneous. He is upfield and making something happen. And I mean, it did not take me long to say the numbers are there. The metrics that I look at are there. And then he's one of the guys to me where he just looked like he was playing at a different speed. So I said, okay, that's what an NFL receiver looks like when he's dominating in college. Um, but yeah, I mean, so that's kind of, that's kind of what happened over the summer when I was kind of combing through and some guys you look and their numbers pop and you look at them on tape and you're like, yeah, I mean, he's good. Elijah Moore just, I mean, he just looked different. So, so you like, this guy is awesome. You comp to AB a little bit. Do you think he's capable of playing outside then? Because he's, I think a lot of people are hesitant because of his size and they kind of want to uh, place him as like just a slot guy at the next level. Do you think that's the case? Yeah, that's a great point. I mean, and I've definitely heard that critique. Oh, he's just slot. And I think he played a t- he's playing, I think, a ton of slot at Ole Miss. And most of his highlights, you can certainly see that. Um, as far as his ability to play outside, you know, I'm not sure. I'm not. I'm also not sure I'm that worried about it. I mean, A.B. Comp, I'm not saying his play style. I'm not saying he is A.B. I'm just saying, like, we've seen guys of his size be successful, uh, including one of the best we've ever seen. But that doesn't mean he's A.B. I don't think you have to be an alpha X anymore in the NFL, um, especially for fantasy. I mean, we see these guys, you know, come in and get volume uh, fed receptions and put in space and teams are running three ride four wide receivers and you've got guys that's what they're doing at Ole Miss and you know you're finding space in the open field and he fits what the NFL is moving to I think we talked about running backs who can catch well I think receivers who can do this sort of thing I mean Marquise Brown was the number one receiver taken and he's not having a great fantasy season but the guy was like 165 pounds dripping wet he's not your true alpha x but teams want this kind of player uh, so I think his prospects at the next level for getting drafted, at least on day two, are probably just fine. And if you're a drafted day two and you look like Elijah Moore, sign me up. So I, I do want to say, uh, I don't know what you're doing wrong watching highlights. Isn't that what all of this film <laughs> no, you got to get the all 22, do, do watch every watch second games? of every play. Oh, that, that's <laughs> what you got to do. No, all right. Um, so just just to your point really quick, because I looked it up while you were talking, it's actually changed because we did talk about Elijah Moore uh, just recently, actually. He was running, I believe it was like 88 to 89 percent of his slots in the uh, in his snaps in the slot. It has dropped to 81.6. So they have been playing him more since I think it was two or three weeks ago that we talked about. So he's, they played him a little bit more on the outside. That being said, is there an NFL team you think would be an ideal fit for him? Four wide. Give me Arizona. Cool. 
Oh, I, I mean, like that. don't they okay. run? They, they just run everybody for a while. At least last year they yeah, were I like, like that. I mean, and they need more receivers. I mean, I mean, Kirk's good, but they could use a third dude. I yeah, like get it. Get that scrub Andy Isabella out of there. Oh man, R.I.P. I, I was a big <laughs> Isabella guy too, and he just uh, not. not but right while we've got you on, we want to talk. We want to dive deeper into the 2021 wide receiver class, and we want to do a mock draft if you're up for it of Love just it. wide receivers. And as the guest of on the Debbie debate, we will give you the first pick. Okay, in the 2021. Devi debate, wide receiver, uh, rookie draft. Who are you taking at the 101? <sighs> All right. The 101 for me, you know, I'm not going to go Elijah Moore, even though I love him. Um, I got to go Chase. I got to go Jamar Chase. I mean, we haven't seen him yet this year, but, you know, what he did as a true sophomore, he made Jamar Jeff or Justin Jefferson, the wide receiver, two in his own offense. Like, I don't know everything. He's just prototypical in, in so many ways. Um, I, I don't see any reason. You know, Waddle was getting close for me, but now with that devastating injury, I mean, I hope he comes back. But as of right now, I think I think I'd go Chase. All right. Well, I will take my wide receiver one of this class and Rashad Bateman. I, I I would love to get him second. I love Chase. I know Felix. I'm just coming in with all the hot takes. I'm gonna get I'm gonna get canceled after today's episode. <laughs> the, the cancel culture going on out here. But uh, I love Bateman. I, I was I'm glad to see he had a the game that he's had the past two weeks. He's, he's starting to to kind of perform here. So give me Rashad Bateman at two. Bateman is someone I think that we're gonna talk about when it comes to the off season because. I have concerns about his profile. I don't know that he's an elite athlete. He's a big slot receiver, and we have seen those big slot receivers bust recently. Um, so let's stay tuned for the offseason. Austin, who you got at number three? Man, if you had, if you had asked me like three weeks ago, I feel like I probably would have said Rondale Moore here, but I'm going to take Jalen Waddle. Um, I'm not that concerned about the injury um, because it's not like a, you know, like his knee exploded or – you know, something, you know, some sort of catastrophic, can't really come back from injury. Um, he answered a lot of questions that we had about him this year in terms of his possible role in the NFL. And I feel like even if he never is used the way that he was this year before he went down and we saw what he can do last year in terms of uh, manufactured touches, kick returns, uh, stuff like that. So I think he would be my one of three. At the 104, I have to take Devonta Smith. He's fallen to me at this point. And uh, Devonta Smith is not the elite athlete. But you know who else was an elite athlete? A Antonio Brown. Uh, <laughs> DeAndre Hopkins. Uh, Michael Thomas. Michael Thomas. Yeah. My favorite. Why, why are names escaping me right now? Devontae Deontay Johnson. Deontay yeah, Johnson. Johnson. You have these route runners who are just pure – football players and it doesn't matter what their 40 time is it doesn't matter what they jumped it doesn't matter what their agility time is Devon, De De Deontay Johnson is the fastest slow person I've ever seen you saw him get that deep route uh, this weekend and and Devonta Smith is on the same spectrum as a player like De uh, Deontay Johnson or Antonio Brown or Calvin Ridley he has he doesn't have elite athleticism but damn try to try to cover him try to cover him as a as a cornerback, it's impossible. So I'm going to take Devonta Smith at number four. Uh, Alfred, we're going back to you at the 105. Who you got? I'm going to go by my rankings here. We're getting close to Elijah Moore territory, and maybe for the show <laughs> I should just take him. 
But I already mentioned this guy. I love Seth Williams uh, for Auburn. You know, talk about your prototypical pretty much everything. Uh, X outside, you know, can body guys up. The one concern I would have is he is one of these guys who, you know, kind of does win contested catches, which we maybe don't love in the fantasy community because it means he's not getting separation, yada, yada, yada. But he looks athletic. He slimmed down this year and he looks smoother. Uh, he looks athletic. And, um, you know, if you can do anything with Bo Nix throwing you the football, I think you're probably very good. Uh, even, um, you know, Jake Luton would probably be an improvement <laughs> if, if wherever he goes in the NFL. So I like Seth Williams. I'll take him at five. Seth Williams, yes, he did go from about 225 to 215, I believe. I do like him at the slim down weight. We've had two players, two fantasy-relevant players, who changed their body type this offseason. Seth Williams is one, lost weight. Sincere McCormick is the other one, gained weight. Uh, Sincere McCormick has not, has not lost a step at his added weight. You can even see, I posted, a, uh, I tweeted uh, back in week one. You can see in his face. He's got a chunky face now um, and, and hasn't lost a step. I am not a fan of Seth Williams because I generally don't like contested catchers. However, at that lower weight, he looks spry. He looks mm -hmm. like a receiver who could get separation. Um, who could be more versatile than just a contested catch wide receiver. I like the pick. Bruning, we're going to you at 106 now. Who you got? Uh, I'm going to take Amon Ross St. Brown. Uh, I, I've, I like him. I don't think he's getting enough talk. Uh, just two games in, both uh, both games over 100 yards so far against Arizona State and Arizona. Uh, he's a guy that I was looking forward to watching this year and possibly having an even better season. Uh, Slovis having the year that he's having is definitely going to help boost his stats up even more. I, I think he's the best of the St. Browns. Uh, well, you got Equinemius in the NFL. I don't think the other one – no, he's at Stanford or Osiris or something. Oh, that's right. right. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But I think Amon Ra is the best out of all. I'm pretty sure their dad has come out and said he's the best out of all of them. I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing uh, what he does the rest of this year and if USC can even make the playoffs, what he can do against that top-tier competition. But I'm taking Amon Ra St. Brown. Thanksgiving must be pretty interesting when your dad says one of you is better than the other two. <laughs> oh, I'm sure. <laughs> So I'm sure there's some interesting holiday discussions this year. I mean, who's a weird, who's a more more wacky sports family, the Ball family or the St. Brown family? Uh, I, I like the St. Browns because they're not as annoying. If I'm just being honest, we should put them on an island and have like a reality show. Yeah, families like Survivor and just like have them go at it. I, I mean, I have would... you seen the St. Browns' dad? I'm pretty sure he's gonna kill every. I, I shouldn't say that. He he's a massive human being. Yeah. I'm yeah, pretty yeah, sure yeah. he can handle yeah. it. Was, was he an Olympian? Yes, it missed, like Mister Olympus or you was know, it? Yeah. Was it? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And their mom was some kind of like I'm almost positive she was very well known for her sports things. Well, she's French or something like that as well. Like they're they're a very interesting family. I'll yeah. just put it that they way. Are. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm gonna go to the guy that I mentioned last round that didn't go before now, Rondale Moore at Purdue. Um, oh shit! I and I think for value. He um. His freshman year was pretty crazy. It's honestly one of the best freshman years I've ever seen out of um, – and especially at, like, a school where he was the guy. Like, he wasn't, like, a rural guy at, like, Alabama or Georgia or something where he's, like, the fourth option. I mean, he quickly became the first option there and did it, you know, in, on, in the air, on the ground, on uh, kick and punt returns. Um, so getting him at, like, that point is, is a big steal in my opinion. 
right. You're muted. All right. I am going to go. I thought about going Elijah Moore, but I'm going to go with someone who could potentially uh, break the combine, as they say, um, uh, come February. And I'm going to go with Terrence Marshall. Terrence Marshall out of LSU. Yes, yes. He could, you know, run in the four three high four threes, low four fours, I think, and and kind of repeat the performance that Justin Jefferson had. Listen, this isn't this is a this isn't even a uh, a rookie draft. This is just wide receivers. And if you're getting Terrence Marshall at the eight or in Dynasty drafts in the second round, whoo, that is a value. That is a value. So I will go Terrence Marshall at number eight. Alfred, we're back to you. Yeah, that just goes to show you. And this year, I mean, I, I don't know. I feel like uh, as as dynasty people and certainly Devi people, because we get even more into the college guys. Every year is like, oh, this year is so good. I mean, but really, twenty. I mean, when you got Terrence Marshall going at the eighth receiver, that is insanity. I mean, it's going to be a bonanza this year. All right. So this is a guy I probably would have taken last pick. Would have been close. I'm gonna go Diami Brown. I You're love still this more. I really thought yeah. you were gonna go more. Well, there. I'm going by my rankings, and more's <laughs> right after Brown. So if he's still around in three picks, I'll take him gladly. But I mean, Diami Brown, holy crap, man! This, this, you wanted, you know, we're gonna pair him with Seth Williams, who can't separate. But Diami Brown, like, gets ten yards of separation on every flipping, you know, deep route he runs. He is very, very fast. I'm not sure what his actual testing is going to be, but like he plays like he's a four three, you know, mid four threes type guy. Um, and really separated himself. I think a big thing for me this year was, you know, really separated himself from Daz Newsome last year. They were kind of neck and neck, and this year he's just he's really taking the step to be like the alpha um in a good on a good team in a good offense. But um I'm glad to see him really commanding those targets. Sam Howell wants to throw to him, and I think he's going to be real interesting at the next level. All right, so for me, I'm going uh, Kylan Wallace. I, I like this kid. I thought he could have been one of the the top wide receivers in last year's class. Obviously got that torn ACL. I was, I was kind of happy to see him go back because I was really curious if, if that would hurt his draft stock at all. I think he's been absolutely amazing this year, even with Spencer Sanders in and out due to the injury. Uh, he's been having a phenomenal year. I, I love Tylen Wallace's game all around. I'm Again, same thing you guys had just mentioned. To be able to get him at 10 right now in in, in just wide receivers is, is ridiculous. I, I think he's a guy that I think could get that second, maybe third round draft capital in the NFL and is going to be a guy that you could probably get at 10 in the second round this yeah. year because of how deep wide receivers. So getting a guy like him there, I, I love it. I love Tyler Walsh's entire game. I think he's going to be a great fit wherever he goes. We're going to watch Tylen Wallace's game against Kansas when it comes to the offseason because Kansas, or excuse me, not Kansas, uh, Tulsa, mm-hmm. Tulsa against Tulsa. Uh, Tulsa has essentially a defense that is like the Legion of Boom, where they are very physical with you. There are a couple of NFL draft picks on that tol- Tulsa defense in the secondary and Zayvon Collins at linebacker. When we get to the offseason, we're going to have to look at that game because they were very physical with Tylen Wallace and were able to neutralize him uh, much of that game. So that's going to be one that I really want to pay attention to. Austin, who do you got after Tylen Wallace? Yeah, and I, I'll agree on Wallace. I, I'm really, really low on Wallace compared to consensus. I don't think I, I have him in a single, you know, C2C, Devi, like any kind of league, and I probably won't really draft him at all next year. He's just not a guy that's, that I love. Um 
So my next guy is probably Chris Olave. It's pretty close between him and uh, somebody else. Uh, I'm a, I'm a bit of a sucker for like his profile of receiver where it's kind of like that lanky, like not necessarily possession guy, but like not necessarily like a big play guy either. Like they're almost like this all arounder. Um, I think he's pretty similar to like a Tyler Boyd coming out of college who I was a huge fan of coming out of pit. Boyd was a little better um, like after the catch, but, but I think a is the kind of guy where he can work the middle of the field. He can work you deep. He's great along the sidelines. He's going to go into a team, and I don't think he'll ever be like a wide receiver one on a roster, but he can be a great wide receiver two, like a Robert Woods or someone like that for years. And honestly, if when I'm picking like the 10th receiver or whatever we're at, like I'm completely happy with that as an outcome. So, Well, uh, Alfred, you're going to get to pick Elijah Moore because I am going with Tamari on Terry. Now, the last pick, my last pick was Terrence Marshall. He's somebody that could break the combine. Tamari Ontario is absolutely somebody who could break the combine. 6'4", 220 pounds. I tweeted uh, something earlier in the offseason, essentially comparing him to Randy Moss. Now, he doesn't have the hands that Randy Moss had, and we don't really know what Randy Moss's 40 time was. It could have been a 3'9", for all I, I know. Um, uh but Tamarion Terry has this lanky frame that can get behind defenses, who can um, run after the catch. He just needs to be able to catch the ball. Like that's the thing that Tamarion Terry has to be able to do. Man, is it scary Terry? Uh, what pick is this? I'm getting scary Terry. One twelve. Twelve, I think. Yeah. 112 Tamarion Terry at the 112. We are only drafting receivers in this draft. This class is deep. Get your second round draft picks. Get your third round draft picks in your in your 12 team dynasty leagues because some of these players are going to to fall into the third into the third round. We, we don't have Najee Harris here. We don't have Travis Etienne. We don't have any of the quarterbacks. We don't have Kyle Pitts here. And I'm getting Tamarion Terry at the one. 12. That is insane. That is insane. Alfred, I'm guessing who you're going to pick at the, we'll call it the 201. Go ahead. Who you got? <laughs> Let's do it. We're going to, we're going to press, pull that lever for uh, Elijah Moore, my guy. And I can still wait till the 201 in a receiver only draft. I mean, this guy's going to be a third round pick uh, in your rookie drafts, maybe even fourth. I mean, I, you know, like that, that goes to show I've been trying to scoop up seconds, but I mean, this exercise is telling me scoop up thirds. I mean, golly, this is, I'm super excited about him. We already talked about him, so I won't go into more, but happy to take him at the two one. Uh, I'm going to take Tutu Atwell here. I, I like oh. Tutu Atwell, his speed, everything about him. I can't wait uh, till the combine when he possibly, I don't know if he'll actually break Henry Ruggs record, but I mean, he's going to, He's going to blow up the combine. He's a guy that probably us in the Debbie community are talking about, but not a lot of draft experts and everything are talking about. Once he shows up at that NFL combine and blows that up, he's going to be on everybody's radar, kind of like Henry Ruggs was after that. Uh, I think he's a little bit better than Ruggs all around. Uh, love Tutu. So, again, I feel like we're going to keep reiterating this. Me and Austin are just disagreeing on everything today. But uh, <laughs> uh, I think like, we're going to keep reiterating this. Getting him at Tutu in just a wide receiver-only draft is just ridiculous. <laughs> All right, so I will follow that up. I'm, I'm actually still surprised. This guy is my wide receiver 10 right now. It's uh, Sage Surratt, and I think he's a little bit of a forgotten guy because he sat out this year, and he has been jumped by a couple guys in my rankings because of that. But he is 
he kind of profiles like in Keel Harry, which does scare me. And it's why, like, I have him a little lower than if I hadn't learned that lesson like two years ago. Maybe I'd have him a little bit higher. But he's just kind of that big, like, I could see him playing big slot in the NFL and just being really good at it. He reminds me a lot of Jordan Matthews. That's that's the comp that I have for him. He's just really smooth. He has good hands. He's physical. He can play outside. So I don't just want to, like, limit him to the slot and, and, and stick him there. Um, and he was like their whole offense last year at Wake Forest. He was like the guy, and he you know just kind of tore it up. So I think, um, like I said, with him sitting out this year, people are kind of forgetting about him. But if I can get him like this late, I, I'm I'm extremely happy to to snag him there. And it makes sense that I would take this player here because I actually have this point this player ranked higher than Sage Rot, and I'm going with my boy Austin Watkins. I knew it. For- knew it. Yeah. UAB. Okay. Austin Watkins is six foot three, two hundred and ten pounds. He has the speed for his size. He's never met a post route that he doesn't like. He is physical. It doesn't matter if he has the ball or not. I posted something early on Twitter last week where he chases down an interception where he blast this cornerback on a run route for no damn reason other than he can because he's physical. Listen, Austin Watkins is going to the senior bowl and you're going to see his draft stock rise. He's been a player that I've been very high on because he has the size, the speed, the physicality, and he gets the ball vertically. He can make the vertical catches, but he also turns into a running back after the catch Austin Watkins is who I am going with at 16. Watch his stock rise uh, uh, when we, if the Senior Bowl is actually played. I can't wait to see it uh, to, for him to compete against that competition. Alfred, we're going back to you. We're going to go through 24 here. So Austin, we're at 17. Who do you got? Yeah. So I think uh, you know right before Surratt was kind of a tear break. Um, you know, two, two Atwell went and then all of a sudden the last two, you know, Surratt's interesting, but then you go UAB receiver Watkins. I know he's your boy, but like these guys are definitely, I think a step below in terms of general awareness of these players and also, uh, probably future potential. So I do think we've, we finally hit that point where every pick is not just like, Oh my gosh, I can't believe he's still here. Um, but I'm going to go – there's two guys here I'm kind of between, and they're both major risers this year as seniors. Um, I think I'm going to take the guy doing it in the SEC, and we're going to go Shai Smith for South Carolina. Um, you know, you know, I, I haven't watched him a ton, but he's, he's just thoroughly dominating. I mean, I, I go a lot by market share means a lot to me. And when you can just completely command everything uh, in your offense, that means a lot. And he's doing it in the SEC um, against only an SEC schedule. There's no cupcakes on this thing. And uh, yeah, I think he looks really good. I watched him the other day a little bit and just kind of looks like a strong uh, you know, kind of a compact, not not big and lanky or anything like that, but just like a strong, good receiver. And I'm excited to see what he can do for the rest of the year. And I'm I'd like to get some more, uh, you know, kind of watch him a little bit more too. Um, let's see here. You know, I was gonna go. I'm gonna go a little off the board here. I'm gonna go Marquez Stevenson out of Houston. Take a, that's not that's not off the board. Good well, pick. I mean, Good pick. from from the way I'm looking at certain other people's rankings, I feel like it might be a little bit off the board. I I, I like Stevenson. Uh, I was thinking about going someone else there, but I'll go Stevenson. I, I like his overall game. Why not? 
Perfect. Um, so my highest guy left, and I actually thought you might be talking about him uh, the, the past couple picks here, is Reggie Robertson out of SMU. Um, I was hoping he would go <laughs> one more round. I, I had him pretty high last year. I had him graded pretty similarly to like Brandon Ayuk and those guys before like we got into like the off season, like everything um, where he had already said he was going back to school by then. Uh, the injuries are a little bit worrisome. I mean, he's out for the rest of the year here, but he is, he reminds like he, he honestly reminds me a little bit of uh, CD lamb with like his, like lamb does this thing. Um, and I, so I have a soccer background. Um, so like my, my big thing is like, you it's called having an active first touch where the ball comes to you. There's a defender coming to you and you put the ball in a spot where the defender like is running the complete opposite way. And you are in the clear CD lamb. Like there'd be a defender running toward him balls coming and he would just, just, just turn this guy right off of him. Roberson does the same exact thing. And I think it's like something you can't really teach. You just kind of have it. And when I watch a receiver that, that has that skill, it really just grabs my attention. Um, he's really explosive. Um, he might be like a third op- like option on an offense, uh, but but I really like his game. So, Reggie Robertson, another one of those players that has that maybe elite uh, uh, take the top off the defense type speed. Um, hopefully, he gets healthy and he he's able to come out this year and and do all of the off season um, stuff. At number twenty, I'm going to take a guy who is a tweener in Warren Jackson. I say tweener because he could be a tight end, he could be a wide receiver. And I started to study Warren a little bit more. He's not. He opted out. He's not playing this season at Colorado State with his teammate uh, Dante right there. Uh, but Warren Jackson is a back shoulder beast. He's six foot six, two hundred and twenty some odd pounds. And I can't think of a comparable for him. The only comparable, I should say, there's only one comparable that I can think of uh, for him, and that's uh, Auden Tate, the Bengals wide receiver, the former um, uh, Florida State wide receiver. But Austin Watkins has a lot more agility than than Auden Tate had. Uh, He probably has more speed than Auden Tate had. He has just as much body control. and so that's another player that I'm going to be studying in the offseason to see, can he actually play wide receiver at the end? Can he separate uh, uh, from, from cornerbacks? It doesn't have to be a lot. He can, can he separate on slants and hitches and things like that? Because I know that he can catch the back shoulder fade. You see that on his tape all the time. We're at 20. We're going to go four more picks. Alfred, who you got at 21? Yeah, I'm going to take Marlon Williams from UCF. Uh, another one of these like you know senior breakouts, which we're at the point in the draft where I- I'm happy to kind of do that. I don't think the ceiling is there for some of these guys that break out at like 22 or 21 years old. But he's, I mean, he's just he's commanding everything at UCF, which is a high octane, high powered offense, and he's caught like 63 balls and like six games or seven games or something like that. So, I mean, just a reception machine. Not sure he's going to test as the most most athletic guy in the room, but, um, you know, developmental guy, happy to take a shot on, on someone who at least broke out at some point uh, and, and, you know, is getting 30 plus percent of his team's uh, looks. Uh, for me, I'm taking uh, speed, speed kills in the NFL. Anthony Schwartz out of uh, Auburn. He's a guy that, uh, I really like he, he's got the speed. Uh, obviously, 
the yak ability. They use him as a runner as well. Big, big play. Obviously, the biggest thing coming out of him is uh, injuries. But, I mean, he he's he's a phenomenal player. I think he could be used, especially if he ends up on the right offense, uh, could be used uh, very interestingly in the NFL. So I'll take Anthony Schwartz here. I, I'm between two uh, guys from the same school, actually, at this pick. Um, so I'm going to give a shout-out to Amari Rogers, uh, who I love. He's very – so I, last year I loved Devin DuVernay. And I think Amari Rogers is kind of Devin DuVernay, but a little more of a smoother athlete. Um, but that's not who I'm going to take. I'm actually going to go with Justin Ross, assuming he comes out. Mm. He is eligible. Um, kind of the forgotten guy now, but he, I mean, was great as a freshman. He disappointed a little bit last year. And then we obviously know he has like the neck slash back injury. Um, but it seems like the way they're talking that he's going to come back and play football. So if we're playing the secure the bag game that we always talk about on the show, uh, and he goes to the draft. I mean, I'm totally comfortable taking him at that spot. And I think he has like top five or six upside. So, I mean, no brainer for me. I need, I need to stop muting myself. Um, <laughs> there are a couple of players that are not going to be taken. And I think it's interesting here. Uh, Kadarius Tony hasn't Ooh. been taken. Daz Newsom hasn't yeah. been taken. Charleston Rambo hasn't been taken. Uh, Jahan Dotson. Yeah. We don't know if he's going to be if if he's going to come out. Hasn't been taken. Amari Rogers hasn't been taken. Um, so there are Demonte Coxie. We forget about him. He hasn't been taken. Um, Nico Collins hasn't been taken. I mean, we Ren, are in Brandon Eagles. Yeah, unless you're taking him right now. No, I think that I'm going to take Nico Collins. Do it. It's okay. It's okay I, to be yeah. Nico Collins. We'll just call it Nico Mel Kuyper would take him right now. He's his number yeah. 10. Yeah, Mel Kuyper is smoking something. Um, Man, so he's not even the best receiver on Michigan. <laughs> Maybe. But I don't know if that's saying a lot. I mean, we had well, a mock draft earlier, you know, where between Stetson and yeah, That was Fordham, hilarious. That was hilarious. And, and, and Michigan. So here's the final list. We got Jamar Chase, Rashad Bateman, Jalen Waddle, Devonta Smith, Seth Williams, Amon Ross St. Brown, Rondell Moore at seven, Terrence Marshall at eight, Diami Brown at nine, Tylen Wallace at 10, Chris Olave at 11, Damarion Terry at 12, uh, Elijah Moore at 13, Tutu Atwell at 14, 15, Sage, Sage Sherratt, 16, Austin Watkins, 17, Shai Smith, 18, Marcus Stevenson, 19, Reggie Roberson, 20, Warren Jackson, 21, Marlon Williams, 22, Anthony Swartz, 23, uh, Justin Ross, and 24, Nico Collins. Ladies and gentlemen, that is a very, very deep wide receiver class for 2021. I can't wait to see it. I can't wait until we get through all of the uh, – uh, uh, the all-star games and the interviews and the, the combine. It's going to be a lot of fun. This show is going to be a lot of fun. Stay tuned for Austin Nace. Well, let's back up, find our written content at dynasty nerds. You can email the show at Debbie debate at gmail.com. Does anybody check that? We might've gotten some. <laughs> I, I, I checked it on Wednesday or last or last Thursday. There was, there was nothing in there yet. So. Well, get, fill up the inbox. We're going to take questions on the next show. Um, tweet at the show at Debbie debate on Twitter. Give us a rate and review uh, on app on iTunes, subscribe to the podcast and and I I'm I'm very I'm I'm so sorry 
one final note here. We have to apologize to Kirk Curbstreet. We ran out of time. We will be sure to get him rescheduled soon. And for Matt Bruning, for Austin Nace, and for Alfred Fernandez, I'm Felix Sharp. Good night and good luck. Intercepted by Eli Apple at the 25, and Apple will go to the ground at the 32, and that's it. Ohio State national champions for the eighth time as they defeat Oregon 42 to 20. Here's Tua stepping back, loads up, looks long, throws end zone, touchdown, touchdown Alabama, Devontae Smith, touchdown Alabama. And the Crimson Tide has once again ascended to the top of the college football mountain. Their fifth national championship in nine years. Their 17th overall. And for Watson takes a snap, rolls right, looks to the end zone. Hunter and Bob caught it. Touchdown! 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 With a second left, Watson hits Renfro. And Clemson grabs a 34-31 lead and is one second away from the second national championship in school history. Hill, just in front of his end zone, has a man out there. It is Ranger, and he's off to the races. Nobody will catch him. Freshman. Made the adjustments in the second quarter. Dobbins again, more than 10 yards per carry. He'll add to that. Goodbye. Touchdown, Ohio State. From 52 yards.